In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies. It is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. I turned around and I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. There was a being at the foot of the bed, little man, maybe may, maybe four feet tall. And the bedroom was lit up like we were in the middle of Times Square. This being was chalk white, was not well, grayish. Those huge eyes, pear-shaped head, had on like a, a jumpsuit, tight-fitting. It looked like Reynolds wrap. And there was a bright blue aura around him and then a bright white light. I've had a cop put a, pull a gun on me. I was never as scared as I was December 28, 1989. Hey there, I'm hard at work on another edition of Inner Sanctum, my free monthly newsletter. Inner Sanctum features my monthly brief, a column of my thoughts and opinions on what's happening in the world. It features a spotlight on a past guest, a look ahead to an upcoming episode of my weekly syndicated radio program, The Conspiracy Show. It features a look at this month in conspiracy and UFO history and my Conspiracy Unlimited podcast episode pick of the month and so much more. To get your free monthly newsletter, Inner Sanctum, delivered to your email inbox, just go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, strangeplanet.ca. Scroll down to the bottom of the page and click on Inner Sanctum and register. It's fast, easy, and again, absolutely free. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. 
revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs, here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. We made it. I hope you can join me Saturday, June 5th, when I'll be hosting Coast to Coast AM. Go to coasttocoastam.com for more information, and I'll be speaking with legendary Hollywood screenwriter Stephen D'Souza. He wrote the screenplays for such blockbuster movies as Die Hard, 48 Hours, Commando, Beverly Hills Cop 3, Laura Croft, Tomb Raider, and many more. Michael S. Carter is standing by to discuss his experiences and contact with ultra-terrestrial entities. Reverend Carter is originally from Baltimore, Maryland. He moved to New York City in 1980 and lived there for 25 years, working as a professional actor, before moving to Asheville, North Carolina with his family. Michael is an ordained interfaith minister and received his Bachelor of Arts degree in letters from the College of New Rochelle, where he graduated cum laude. He received his Master's in Divinity degree from Union Theological Seminary in New York City, the class of 2000. Reverend Carter has written articles on UFOs and religion for such publications as UFO Magazine, Alien Encounters, the MUFON UFO Journal, Contact Forum. He's spoken at UFO conferences such as the Second Philadelphia Need to Know Conference, the annual Long Island UFO Conference with Bud Hopkins, as well as appearing on radio and TV appearances across the nation. He's also appeared on Japanese television discussing the Bible and UFOs. A longtime UFO experiencer, he lectures extensively on the topic of religion and UFOs. He's appeared on the Sci-Fi Channel's Steven Spielberg's production of Abduction Diaries, The Real 4400, and is a frequent guest on the History Channel's production of Ancient Aliens. Hey, Michael, welcome. How are you? Richard, it's a pleasure. I'm doing well. Uh... Life is good. The weather's getting warm. And, uh, you know, things are opening up now. The, the country is little by little. So um, I'm very fortunate. Well, I'm going to get you to open up a little. And uh, I, I hope you don't get tired of telling this story, but it is remarkable. I want to go back to December 28th, I think. 19, oh, yes, 1989. Right. You just got back from Mexico. You're in New York City. What happened? Okay. I... Uh, well, let, let me give you the backstory. Um, I, I just want to say from the outset that I had no um, preparation in the sense of I wasn't a sci-fi person. I remember, so, you know, I was raised Baptist, man. I, I drank the Kool-Aid. And uh, not that to be disrespectful to Baptists, but I had that dogma hook, line, and sinker. There was no life on other planets. Humankind was, we were top of the food chain. And so it stunned me even more. But I was coming back uh, with my girlfriend at the time. Uh, we were in Cancun and we decided to take a bus trip to the Yucatan to see the pyramids at Chichen Itza and Tulum. Now, I was already kind of studying these things in ancient civilizations, but not to the extent I did afterwards. And um, gorgeous day, uh, went there had a lunch, you know, just, you know, did the tourist thing. And we went to see those pyramids. And so when we came back to New York, uh, right before New Year's, December 28th, I was asked, you know, I was invited to a party. 
and uh, I was tired, but I kind of wanted to show off my tan. You know, I was it was eight. I wanted to glow. Mm-hmm. It was eighty five degrees, eighty seven degrees, and in New York it was of course freezing. So my girlfriend said, "You go. I'm going to stay home." So I took the subway down to Times Square, and uh, the party was at a neighborhood called Hell's Kitchen. Um, you know, no no adult beverages were served. I didn't have any. Uh, I probably overdosed on deviled eggs. It's my favorite. <laughs> and uh, and so, you know, I gloated for about an hour and a half. People oohed and odd, and I told them about what went on. And then I went back up to catch the subway back to the Upper West Side. And that evening... And to this day, I don't know whether or not I had to get up to go use the restroom. I don't know, but there something woke me up. I'm assuming that you know, maybe it was just the presence. I sleep on my stomach. I turned around, and I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest. There was a being at the foot of the bed. I mean, little man, maybe maybe, maybe four feet tall. My the the the, the and this is on the Upper West Side of Manhattan. It wasn't on some rural road uh, uh, somewhere, and my the bedroom was lit up like we were in the middle of Times Square. This being was chalk white, was not well grayish. Uh, those huge eyes, pear shaped head, had on like a a jumpsuit, tight fitting. It looked like Reynolds wrap. Okay, it looked like this individual was wearing a suit made of Reynolds wrap. Right. And there was a bright blue aura around him and then a bright white light. My girlfriend at the time either could not or would not wake up. I thought I was going to I don't I, I've never been I've had I've had a cop put a pull a gun on me. I was never as scared mm. as I was December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. And what I did Richard was, he looked at me, it could have been a she, but we looked at each other and those big, deep black eyes. And I pulled the cover up over my head and I remember getting in the fetal position. Okay, I'm not a macho kind of guy. <laughs> well, and so, I think a macho kind of guy probably <laughs> would have done the same thing. I, I have never had that kind of terror. And I felt, I heard this, Whoosh, whoosh, like 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 the wind was blowing and the temperature changed in the room as if I was outside. Now, I was living at the Excelsior Hotel, still there, right across the street from the uh, planetarium, 45 West 81st Street, at that time living on the 15th floor, 1506. And the temperature shifted. I felt like I, I was freezing. I pulled the covers down and nobody was there. It was like nothing ever happened. Wow. I, 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 I told my girlfriend about it. She's a very spiritual woman. She believed me. She was very supportive through the whole thing. But I started to meet other races, but I started, and I started to have, this, this was happening like twice a month. And it was like every full and new moon. Hmm. And she worked at night. So I don't know whether they, they, I guess they knew the schedule. <laughs> not, not that it mattered because when they came when she was there and I would be paralyzed. Well, that and first one, excuse me, me. Sorry, Michael. That first one, even yes. though it was kind of chalk white, I think you described it. 
Yes. But by all the other appearances, would it was it what we what we might refer to as a gray? Was it some? It was a gray. I think yeah. it was a gray. Okay. But remember, there's so many different types of grays, and uh, uh, you know, like the, like there's the type that's on Whitley Strieber's communion. Mm. The cranium is not as big. This and then there's another uh, uh, gray that has a bulbous head. This gray had a pear shaped head. Hmm. Interesting. So. So, you know, it, it freaked me out. I, I, I couldn't sleep. Um, you know, I was having, uh, I was scared. To, even it took, it took me 15, 20 years to just be able to turn the light out. Now, uh, uh, because like, like somehow the light would keep them from coming. But it was just, just this great fear of the dark and that they may come. And they did come. They did come. Every month. Uh, for about eight months. Is that when for you saw? Is that when you sought out? Months. When you sought out the help of uh, Bud Hopkins? Well, I got the Bud later. I ah. went to Gene Mundy, hmm. and uh, I bought a book called Encounters by Doctor Edith Fiore. It's still a good one to to, to read, and uh, I uh, um, I and in the back of the book it had a list of mental health professionals uh, uh, in each state. And there was a woman named Aphrodite Claymar, who I later found out is a very reputable uh, hypnotherapist and therapist. But, I, you know, this is my personal bias. I was so fragile mentally that I couldn't go to someone named Aphrodite. Right, okay. I just couldn't, you know, like the Greek god, I just couldn't. I needed to be grounded in reality. It's my bias. I thought that name was just not it. So I went to Dr. Jean Mundy, and she was very good at what she did. She had an office on East uh, uh, on 13th Street in the village, and of course she lived out on Long Island. And she regressed me, and uh, much stuff came up. And um, but she said to me, you know, Michael, the good news is that you're not crazy. She said, I'm not going to say what's bad news or not, because that may be what's up to you. Right. Yeah. And so a, a few years after that, uh, Bud and I did a conference. I mean, I had heard of Bud. Um, we were in two different camps, if you will, but we, we wound up meeting and actually being very friendly. Bud's group, the support group I was in, because at this time I had had I had come to some grips with and that positive things were happening in my life. And I think it was expedited because of those encounters, even though I still had the fear. Uh, and Bud's group was more people who it was traumatizing. I mean, they had, you know, sperm taken, women had ovum taken, um, anal probes. I mean, it wasn't a pretty picture. And that's all that was going around at the time. And I just didn't want people to think that that's all that's happening that there were people who have what they considered positive, for lack of a better word, encounters. And these, um, with each of these, and, mon and, these monthly encounters, were they uh, all grays? Were they different races? No, uh, yeah, they, 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 they started out with grays. Um, I remember, and they would, uh, uh, it, when they said things, and they wouldn't say nothing, they would say just be, don't be afraid, but it wasn't like their mouths would move. It was like I had a stereo system in between my head. 
there was telepathy, right. but it was clear. And um, uh, and they would show me pictures, like they like, and they would always paralyze me. I don't know whether it was for their protection or mine, but I wouldn't be able to move. Hmm. I could move my eyes, I could breathe, obviously, but I could not move. Was there always a blue light? No, no, it was that time. Uh, there was the blue, like a blue light, and then this white light. No, it wasn't always a blue light, but it was always the uh, paralysis, and it was um, they like uh, one time they showed me a past life, where I was a a, a monk. Uh, they showed me something that was going to happen in the future, not nothing apocalyptic, but something that happened in my life because I I was going to, I was leaving my career as an actor in New York, and I was uh, thinking about going into the ministry uh, to a life of service. The only negative thing, Richard, that I can say happened to me, now, I'm, I'm, the fear was there, okay, and it would be. If, if we, when we hang up, and all of a sudden you're asleep at night, and I, I look like a human being, you know, and if I tapped you on your shoulder, you'd be scared too, and, and I look like a human being, you know, uh, so the fear was there, and that's what gets me. It's that I could open my eyes, and they're right there. Or, you know what I mean? Like, right. well, I could I could be looking out my window, and I turn around, and they're there. One time, they stuck a needle in the back of my head. It felt like a needle where my <clears throat> where that little hole there, that that indentation where your neck meets your spinal. Yes. Coming from the brain. Excruciating. Hmm. And um, and then when I moved, when, when I when I when the paralysis was gone, they were gone. And I talked to a friend of mine about it. And uh, she was an astrologer. And um, she said, Michael, this is going to sound weird, but you're going to have to set boundaries. She said, even if you're in the house talking by yourself, they can hear you. They're there. She said, you need to tell them this is unacceptable. And I, I did. I remember my girlfriend saying, you were walking around in your underwear in this apartment, yelling up at the ceiling about something. This was disgraceful. This was unacceptable. I can imagine what I look like. A couple weeks after that, they came again. I could not move. I was alone. And in my mind's eye, they showed me a picture of a syringe. I felt the tiniest pinprick at the crown of my head, like right in the center of the crown of my head. You could bear, it's like when someone takes blood and you don't even know the needle went in. Right. It was like that. I interpreted that as they listened. Right. They got the message. We'll, do, yeah. we'll be a little more delicate this time. Right. Yeah, they could have said, oh, shut up, put, put on your big boy pants and take it, but they did. <laughs> so, uh, so this is uh, happening to but, you, these monthly visits, and at, at, at this time you're considering uh, going into a seminary. Well, I was considering going into uh, a mental institution. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, right. But, uh, but um, uh, yeah, yeah I, I wound up going to seminary. But what had happened, though, Richard, and the, the fear was there. And there were some times where years would go by 
when I wouldn't physically see them, or they, or they would touch me. Maybe in my meditation, I would see a pic. They would show up. But what was happening is, I, the, I, I, I felt more intelligent. Um, I felt I, the only way I can explain it is that my heart opened more. I felt like I could risk being vulnerable. I felt more loving, for lack of a better word. But that's abstract. But my hair grew faster. I got by with less sleep. I still can get by. Maybe for I can go two, three weeks with just four or five hours sleep. I don't need it. Um, I, my my hair and nails grow extremely uh, 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 quickly. My in, my intuition uh, was on steroids. Um, you know, and I, and I also, you know, meditation helped me to learn to trust that. But I, 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 I could feel myself changing, man. And I started caring more um, about, you know, about the earth, about my surroundings, about I, it was easier for me to say, I'm sorry. It became easier for me to say, you know, I'm really scared or I'm a, I, I, it, it was just all these personality changes. Interesting. Um, now, let me be clear. I want to be clear. I was already working on myself. Okay, it wasn't like this magic wand, and all of a sudden Michael is, uh, you know, Mister Compassion. But you know, when the teach when the students ready, the teacher will appear. I read voraciously on anything I could about ETs, but I also uh, was very, 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 very deeply into comparative religion. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Right. Well, so that's interesting. After these experiences, and, uh, and, I, and I left my religion of origin. Yeah. Okay, but your your um, what were you studying then uh, uh, at um, at, at would, Union? Yeah. Uh, okay. Let me let me put it this way. Uh, I started reading a lot of philosophy. I started reading comparative religion. I was starting to do that a little bit before the before I I met these people. And, and, but then afterwards it was like, all of a sudden I'm, you know, I'm getting into tarot reading and seeing, I was always, be, I, I see people's auras and I was getting into um, more paranormal kind of studies. And um, when I, in some of my classes at Union, some of the books, not all, some of the books that they had assigned us to read, I had already read. Hmm. And so... Um, and, and, and Union is one of the top seminaries in the country. And, uh, but I had left my religion of origin, my childhood religion of being Baptist. And after this, uh, after these encounters, I, I started to broaden my horizons. One of the people, and uh, he's a friend and a colleague, is Dr. Barry Downing. Uh, he wrote a book in 68 called The Bible 
and flying saucers. And it, it was like uh, water to a thirst, uh, uh, a man dying of thirst, because the, here was a religious professional. He wasn't an experiencer, but he had written a book. And then I found uh, uh, other, uh, you know, um, there was Eric Van Doniken, obviously, and right. then a, a Dr. Virginia Brazington, a woman from Asheville, North Carolina. I didn't even know Asheville, North Carolina existed at that time. And she wrote a book about the Bible and UFOs. Uh, forget the other guy's name. He died under mysterious cir circumstances. I have his book here. He had, he wasn't a clergy person. Oh, Jessup. He had written a book. Jessup? Yes. Right. He was involved in uh, the Philadelphia experiment somehow, I think. Um, I think he interviewed the, one of the witnesses, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. So, so there was the religious aspect. So that's, you, where, that's where I am. That's where my head is. Right. And you were actually going to write your, your thesis on this subject, right? How did they, how did, how did they, re, how did they react? You know what? They, they shocked me. They, they loved it. They loved it. As a matter of fact, uh, Dolores Williams, who was uh, my systematic theology teacher, and... Um, there was uh, one other uh, uh, person. They asked me to stay on and do a PhD. I just didn't want to be 60 years old still paying off school loans. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah. And and because if it wasn't for Union having, you know, because they could have said, young man, you're not graduating from here uh, uh, with that kind of tripe. But they did it. And I turned it into my first book. Right. So now, after these experiences, 33 years later, uh, how, how does that inform your view of the biblical narrative? Well, this is it's a great question. I'll just put it bluntly. Well, not bluntly, but I, I believe in an intelligence. I believe in something greater than me. It's but but you know it's not a personal God, it's not a, a man or woman up in the sky who's gonna punish me if I'm not like Santa Claus, and reward me if I'm nice. I uh, I think there's an intelligence in the universe. If you read some of the extraterrestrial, the literature, even some of these beings acknowledge uh, this energy. They don't call it God. Uh, 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 but that's where I am now. And I believe that these avatars, whether it's the Buddha or obviously Jesus, and, you know, I believe that these beings are sent uh, to us to give us a way to live. But, I, but the way it affects the biblical narrative is, I believe, at least the three monotheistic religions, because we know all these cosmologies, all civilizations have some stories about folks coming down from the sky and teaching them how to live or ca causing mischief or what have you. I believe that our ancestors were trying to tell us in the vernacular, in the language of their day, what they were experiencing and that these beings were gods to them. Right, right. And so that's what I believe. Right. Uh, uh, you know, I, I, you know, I was a kid. And a lot of the anger I had at religion, uh, even before these encounters, was like the answers were given to you before you even asked the question. But now, I, you know, I'm older, and I, you know, I, I look at Yahweh, and for me, I don't want to disrespect viewers who are 
uh, listening and or shake up anybody's belief system. But it was, I was like, how can I say I'm going to pray to or worship someone who had this temper, who had anger management issues, who was telling you to go into someone's land and kill the men, women, and children. And, you know, I, I was over-obsessed with circumcision and who you married. That sounds like, sounds like a person, man. Right, the, like, the, the jealous God. Sound like an omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient. That sounds like some of my friends. Right, the, the jealous <laughs> God of the Old Testament. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, there was a whole lot of smiting going on in the Old Testament. Oh, yes. <laughs> it was smote and smitted and smited and, <laughs> you know, dashing your, your baby's head up against a, th a stone. Yeah. And and again, that doesn't work for me. My, my, I know my, my friend, uh, Dr. Downing, uh, Barry, he used to say, Michael, you want your God to be warm and fuzzy. Well, maybe, maybe not. But I don't, I certainly don't want what I was given, you know, and, and I know I have a lot of friends who, I'm a UU minister, Unitarian Universalist minister, and we have a lot of uh, humanists or atheists in the congregation, and some of them, yeah, some of them don't believe in God, and I have no problem with that, because for me, I don't care what you believe in, it's how you live, but um, a lot of them, is, it's like, Michael, I, I don't know if there's a God, but I just can't believe in the God that most people believe in. Right. Yeah. And uh, so what does that mean uh, in terms of who Jesus was? For me, uh, with this overlay, if you will, I think that Jesus, if we look at the narrative, uh, well, I mean, my God, in the Gospel of John, he says, you know, I'm, I'm, you are from this world, I'm not from this world. I think that he was a hybrid. Uh, you know, if your if your if your dad is human, I'm sorry. If your mother's human and your dad isn't, then that makes you not fully human. It certainly would explain a lot of the biblical miracles. It would also explain this narrative that this man is coming from a place of high spiritual evolution, that you can forgive your enemies, that you realize on one level that death is not the end of life. You realize on one level that there are worse things to do than die. You know, there's the worst thing to not have lived fully. And uh, I, I think if, you know, the Christmas story can be interpreted as a, a UFO story. Uh, certainly when Paul talks about walking on the road to Damascus. Um, certainly the narrative in Acts when Peter and Paul are, 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 are doing their ministry and they meet Cornelius and, you know, people, these the, the people bow down to them. They said, these, these are gods because they did some healing, and he said, hey, you know, they said, don't bow down to us, get up. Uh, so, so there, you know, uh, you know, there's many ways to interpret it, but it, it just makes more sense to me, and I hope that more religious people or religious leaders will seriously consider it. I mean, we got the government coming out now, they're, you know, begrudgingly, and they're only going to be but so transparent, but this, you know, when we, when we start seeing occupants of these craft, it's going to—it's a game changer. It's going to move the needle, and religion is going to have to have an opinion. I, I think Buddhism will fare very well because it, they're more of a philosophy, but they do acknowledge different deities. Catholicism may not have as much explaining to do. I mean, they do believe. Yes, there's the pantheon. There's Jesus and there's God, Jesus, Mary, 
uh, and saint this one, saint that one. But what they're saying is there are other deities, some of the African religions who, who talk about other deities. But Christianity in general is going to have some explaining to do. Right, although I think the Catholic Church kind of laid the groundwork earlier on. There wasn't it their chief uh, or the the head of their observatory, the official Vatican yes. uh, astronomer, kind of said, you know, that that uh, there's nothing unChristian in the the idea of extraterrestrials. They're all considered, you know, part of God's creation. Right, and 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 I agree. However, we have Christians who can't even get along with their own terrestrial brothers and sisters. True, true, right. Now now, now you throw in the extraterrestrial mix, and that's one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see, because even though we have uh, uh, Luis Elizondo, and I forget the other brother's name, they were just on six, Chris, whatever his name is, you know, um, Oh, from to the, to the Stars Academy, right. Yeah, automatically they're threats. You know, and I get it. If the only tool you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. And yes, they're in airspace. And yes, they're hovering at missile silos and what have you. But, you know, we have this warlike thing. This this is a threat. They are a threat. And so that kind of attitude, you, you see where it leads. I mean, I'm not saying that, 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 every, that they're all here to sing Kumbaya. But what I am saying is, we have a we have a an opportunity here, but if you if the first thing you're going to do is say, well, they're threatening us, we need to shoot at them or have these weapons here, you blow you blow the chance. Does it's it, just an old way of thinking. Does it make any difference whether they're interdimensionals or extraterrestrials? You know, I think it does make a difference only in the sense of this, Richard. A that life is continuous and that we don't even have a clue about universes and parallel universes and lives and parallel lives and past lives because and and, and, and because a lot of times and I believe it or not I'm very careful I try to be because I can have an experience and it doesn't necessarily have to be ET uh, and, and you know some beings can show up they don't need a craft you know what I mean right whether you want to call them spirits or, or what have you, there's some people they they travel through the universe and they don't need a ship. So what it does show us is that life is continuous and there are, you know, what's the old thing in Hamlet there, you know, about there's more, whatever in heaven and earth oh, ratio right. than in your philosophies. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, so what ultimately then is the message of the Bible? Well. I don't revere the Bible. I think the Bible is uh, like a lot of sacred texts. There's a lot of beauty and profound truths and wisdom in it. I don't say toss it out. That you know, there's stories there, lessons from life that can apply to us today. But to say that it is the only way to truth or the only way to God, in quotes, um, I think that that's part of the problem. I think it's one of many ways. Hey, man, you know, if you and I were born in Tibet, you know, we would, we, we'd be looking at the Buddha or maybe Lao Tzu. We, we'd be having a whole different kind of perspective because we were shaped and we're people of the West. 
and so I think that there's a lot of learning to be done. Um, I, I certainly preach from the Bible occasionally, not in a dogmatic way, but you know, some. I mean, you got everything in there, man. It's like a novella. You got incest. You got uh, all these love affairs. You got war. You got murder. You got fratricide. I mean, it's about as human as you can get. Oh yes. Hmm. Uh, but I think if we look at these beings, because angel means messenger in Hebrew, right? I mean, Melach. I mean, a angel. Uh, you know, these are messengers, and the technology that they had would appear godlike. To us, and if it appears, we won't say God like now, but surely the military, the Navy, and the Air Force—they're not saying they're gods, but they are marveling at what the technology. The technology. So um, I think it can help bring religion if we're open to it. I think if we use it correctly, it can make it more relevant. I mean, a lot of people who have experiences with these beings, um, whether they're the blonde folk from the Pleiades or whether they're greys or reptilians or what have you, um, a lot of these beings have a deep spirituality. The only difference is their spirituality can handle, not all, I'm not, again, because at least in my experience, you know, just like you have people who are not as evolved, you have some extraterrestrials that are probably not as evolved. They're evolved technically, uh, but but basically, um, their spirituality and their tech, the use of technology kind of blend. Our, our technology, we don't have the maturity. I mean, we make bombs. You know what I mean? We right. could use the, the technology for other means, but, you know, we need to make bombs and we need to compete and what have you. So our technology has outstripped our spirituality, and we're seeing uh, the effects of that now. Uh, how many races of uh, entities or star people have you uh, encountered? I've seen an Octurian, a blue person. I've seen a praying mantis. Uh, obviously, I've seen, we'll, we'll call them greys, I've seen a reptilian, and um, I think that's pretty much, and I've seen, I had a, a healing, I had a Nordic person uh, heal a blood clot that uh, I had back in 2013. Can you tell uh, me about uh, that? Can you tell me about that? Yeah, yeah, and you can also read about it in Preston Dennett's book. Um, the Healing Power of UFOs, uh, his second volume. Yeah, um, basically this happened. It's going to sound like a country western song or blues song. In 2013, my dad died, but he was dying, and he died. I was losing my job as a chaplain at a hospital here in Asheville, and uh, I was getting divorced. <laughs> that is a country and, song, uh, yes. The hits just kept on coming, <laughs> and I developed a blood clot. Did not know what a blood clot was in the sense of I never had a history of it. And, and then later I found out that my half-brother had a blood clot that did burst, and he survived it. But um, in my right leg, I thought I had pulled a muscle. It was, and I'm, I'm thin. And uh, my leg, my right leg was as big as LeBron. I wish I had legs that muscular. 
And but it hurt. It hurt so bad that even if I put an envelope on top of my leg, it would hurt. That's how much. And my ex-wife said to me, we're still good friends. You're not supposed to have that kind of pain for three days. You need to go see somebody. And of course, I said, no, it'll go away. I put Reiki on it. I wound up becoming an energy healer and it would subside a little bit, but it would come back. And so I did finally call my primary care physician. And when I drove in to see him, he said to me, did you drive here alone? I said, yeah. He said, are you okay? I said, yeah. He said, can you drive? I said, yeah. He said, I need you to go down uh, to Asheville Imaging, what, what, not imaging, that's for the, the, the babies, but I had to get an MRI. Imaging is where I went with my ex-wife for the child. Anyway, so, and he said, Michael, you must go now. He said, because if this burst in your lungs or in your brain, I said, right, it's going to ruin my day. He said, exactly. I mean, my leg was huge. I was swollen from my right ankle up to the groin area. So I get there and they tell me, you know, all these things. And um, and so I wound up having to inject myself with a drug called Anexaparin and uh, to, to thin out the blood. And they put me on Coumadin. So on July 4th, this is the juicy part, on July 4th, 2013, uh, it rained here significantly and it canceled the fireworks. Why is that important? I can't stand it because uh, my daughter and my ex-wife, they loved it. You get up, you get there at seven o'clock, it takes you a half hour to find a parking space. You go to this park around this lake, the mosquitoes are eating you. You're so close to people, you need a lubricant. They're sitting on their towels. It's just very unpleasant. And I did it every year because I wanted to be a good dad and a good ex-husband. This particular night, the thunderstorm canceled it. I was so happy. There were severe thunderstorms and it sounded like artillery. Uh, Richard, I had a lot of friends who fought in Vietnam and sometimes when they did talk about it, they would say, Michael, you slept in your foxhole, you went out on patrol, you had to do what you had to do and sometimes you'd have to go to sleep while artillery was going in and while artillery was coming, you were being fired on. Right. I said, oh my God. And it sounded like artillery that night. At 10 minutes to 10, 9.50, I'm trying to go to sleep, but I'm not asleep. And, you know, it's like that feeling. I can't explain it. It's like the air changes in the room. The atmosphere changes. I don't know. But you can almost get that something's in here. I turned around. There was a being as tall as my ceiling, pale blue eyes, really pale skin, hair looked kind of blondish, but he had a cowl on, like, not a hoodie, that's what we call him now, but this long monk's robe thing, like a belt, a rope belt. Right. And he was so ripped, you could see the muscles coming through the robe, and I was flabbergasted. And he looked at me, and again, it was that Tara, and I looked at him, it wasn't as the terror of, like, with the gray, because this person at least looked humanoid. Uh, well, well, you know, looked human, even though, you know. 
and he held out his hand and an apple green light came right out of his hand and it hit me in my stomach because I was sitting up in the, in the bed at this right, point. Right, right. And I didn't feel anything. And it was like a Star Trek, uh, uh, I guess. I mean, it's the, he, his molecules just dissolved. This was at uh, 9.50 uh, uh, PM on July 4th, 2013. So what do I do? First of all, I'm, I'm hyped up because every time they come, I have so much energy for days. I call my friend Preston because he wrote the first book on UFO healings, right. but it's, uh, it's only 10 minutes to seven there. So he's probably out. He's in California. So I was just up for most of the night I did not think to take a picture, well, probably because I'm not that tech savvy, but what I did was when I went, I, I, I called my ex and my daughter and I went over to see them and I told them what had happened and they looked at my leg and they said, they healed you. Your leg is the normal size. Was it instantaneous? Never, Was it instantaneous? It had to be because uh, uh, I, 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 also I can say it because it had to be. It had to be. Hmm. It had to be because it was. Now I don't remember looking at. I don't remember noticing it. But it, yeah, it, it had to be because I remember. Now I, I remember that before I saw them, my I, I noticed my leg was normal, and I remember I didn't see them till the next day. Right. Right. And uh, but the tricky part, Richard, was telling the doctor <laughs> uh, because, you know, I had to go every week and they had to stick the little pin in my blood you know, on my forefinger and draw it out and see. And um, but they my, my daughter and, and my my uh, uh, my ex, they were like, oh, my God. And so. The, the doctor did not give me an easy time. He kept pushing. How did this happen? I just saw you, what, a week, 10 days ago, your leg was still swollen. What what happened? And I kept saying, well, the medicine is working. Isn't that quickly, Michael? What's going And finally, I said to him, aren't you happy, though? Are you happy for me? It's <laughs> gone. I'm, I'm normal. It's gone. And it put him back on his heels a bit. He started stuttering. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Of course we're happy. I've just never seen anything. And I just said, well, it happened. And they let it go. And they took me off the Coumadin. They wanted me to stay on it indefinitely. And I stayed on it for about four or five months. Um, I, I had an incident uh, about a, several months ago. I... Um, this was weird. I, 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 I live in an apartment. My daughter stays here from time to time. And uh, one morning she said to me, Daddy, why'd you leave me here by myself last night? And I said, what are you talking about? She said, I, went, I got up to go to the bathroom and you weren't in the house. I said, baby, I would never leave you in the middle of the night and go. She said, well, I walked in your room, it was about quarter to three, and you know, your your bed was pulled back, and it was kind of neatly pulled back, and there was a light. 
in the house. Like like there was a light in your bedroom and it was when I walked in the living room it was like a light, like there was a full moon or something. And I said, and, and you you sure I wasn't here? She said, Yeah. I thought you left me. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Uh, why you? I don't know. Um, it's a great question, but it's a difficult question. I, I, you know, I, I had a psychic tell me once, um, interestingly enough, and I didn't mention my experiences to the psychic, but the psychic told me that the way he put it was, you know, when you come to my house, you should let me know when you're bringing company. I said, what are you talking about? He said, you brought some people in here, some people from, they do they deal with out of space stuff, and he described them. I had never mentioned it to him. He said that I uh, it was a contract between lives, that I, in past lives I had been uh, friendly with these people, had contact with these people, and so I just signed up to do something this again. Um, it, that makes more sense than anything. I could say, you know, he told me that I was uh, chosen to do stuff. I, and and I, I say that reluctantly because I'm not, I'm not on any grandiose mission, Richard. But I, 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 I do, you know, when I left the theater, uh, I wanted to serve. I wanted to serve humankind. And there are many ways to do that. You, you can do it being an, an artist or what have you. Uh, but um, it, it, it's, it's. That's what I'm doing now. And uh, going all the way back to December 1989, and you visited the pyramids in the Yucatan Peninsula, I mean, did it, because it, was that coincidental or is it somehow? I'll never know. Because I, I did not see, now in my regressions with Bud and with Gene Monday, it came up that I had seen these beings when I was a kid. I do not remember that. I remember my first encounter with them, December eight, uh, December twenty eighth, nineteen eighty nine. Now, when I was a kid, what I do remember is there were all every day. You know, I'd be in my room looking, and there'd be like these balls of light always around me, and 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 I could see them and. And, and I thought everybody could see them, and I could always see colors around people. But I never talked about that because I thought everybody could. I would have weird things like I would, have, I would wake up with blood on my pillow occasionally. And I was so unaware. I used to say, well, is my mouth bleeding? You know, I get up, I brush my teeth. Why is there blood on my pillow? And then later on, you know, much later on, when I was reading some of the indicators, sometimes you have nosebleeds. I don't know. I, I, maybe I do have an implant. I don't know. I know they can track me. I know that they're t- everywhere, whether I'm in New York, if they visit me, they, they know where I am. You know, I, I remember doing a, going to an anti-racism training uh, in Boston, and uh, I, had, uh, uh, I had an experience there. They, they, they knew where to find me. They knew where to find me. I moved from New York to here. They know where to find me. <laughs> so I don't know why me. I, 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 
and, and you know, going back to that question, because I don't want to come off like I'm special. I'm just trying to make the, the world a better place in my own small way. I'm not on this messianic mission, but they certainly know um, where I am. A new world, if you can take it, God, extraterrestrials, and the evolution of human consciousness. Yes. Uh, so I guess this is this is kind of an important manual as we prepare for disclosure, right? Well, I'm working on a book now, uh, uh, Richard. Um, hopefully it'll be out by August. I was telling Mark about it, who's a salt of the earth guy yeah um I, I the book I'm, I'm i'm working on is about experiencers uh and the ridicule and the indicators and the stuff you go through uh to stay sane and to make people say hey i'm i'm telling you what happened to me yeah a new world if you can take it it's a it can, it can be looked at that way uh, it's a little history lesson about some of the religions and the people in those religions who were saying that, you know, there are, there's life, teeming life in the universe. Um, but it is a new world if we can take it. And that's going to be the thing because we're, we're in the age of Aquarius now. And we came out of the Piscean age, 2,000 years of that where you know you needed you, you were born in sin and and you needed a savior and you needed prophets and saints and avatars to 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 to, to, to put you on the path right and here we are 2000 years later <clears throat> leaving the piscean age you know the age of jesus if you're in the west and 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 now we're in the aquarian age where it's all about technology and um, it's all, it's all about communication and it's all about your own spirituality that, that there's not going to be, there may be teachers, but no one's going to come here to manual for preparing for disclosure. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. 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 That's a great, uh, uh, question, Richard, is this book, uh, a how-to manual preparing for disclosure. I, I, you know, I never thought about it like that, but I guess it could be. It, it's 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 the treatise on how we got here. Again, I go over some biblical stuff in there, but um, it's up to us now. Uh, we, we, you know, we we we're in the Aquarian age now. Two thousand years ago, we were in the Piscean age, the age, you know, where, where Jesus walk the earth and you know we needed a savior this is before jesus obviously but you know in, in the first testament what we call the old testament you know you needed a, a god to tell you what to do you needed saints and avatars to come down and kind of show you the way and then uh, jesus of nazareth comes and he's trying to get us to have a different relationship with each other and with uh, the all that is or god call it what you will and now we're in like a different age. We're in the uh, the age of Aquarius, and it's about communication, and it's about community and connection, and it's about how we, which it was. It's not that it wasn't about that in the Piscean age. It's just that, but we were like kids, and in many ways we still are. But now it's about you don't. We're not looking for a God or a Creator outside of us. We're starting to realize you can call it God or Buddha or Muhammad or whatever, but we're starting to realize that we're all kind of connected, and that 
whatever you want to call it, not only resides outside of you, but it resides in each and every one of us. And it's inside of me and it's inside of you. And if we started treating each other better, we would be able to see that. Or maybe it's the other way around. Once we start seeing that, we start treating each other better. So it is a new world if we can take it. Now we're starting to see that we're not at the top of the food chain. We're not just nation states or, or you know, you live in the hood or you live in rural America. Now we're starting to see that we're, we're part of a cosmos. We're part of an ecosystem. And what I do to you comes back to me. What I do to the planet comes back to me. And, 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 you know, everybody's not seeing that, but many of us are. You're seeing people saying, I want to be free, whether it's around issues of race or whether it's around issues of, and this is worldwide. It's not just here in the United States that there's a groundswell of people saying we need change. The old way's not working. Now, you're going to have people who benefit from the old way, who get rich from the old way. Uh, uh, they live an elitist lifestyle. They're going to hold on for dear life because it's change. But whether it happens now or what have you, like Victor Hugo says, nothing is as powerful as an idea whose time has come. Mm. And people want to be free. We want to go from competition to cooperation. And the old way doesn't work. If we continue with this old paradigm, whether it's climate change, which I believe a lot of it is human made, or whether it's nuclear war, we're going to destroy ourselves. And a lot of the UFO literature, whether you go back to George Adamski, uh, whether you believe he was legit or not, or Billy Meyer, or just everyday folk, Usually they are told, if they're told anything about why these people come or whatever, they're saying, you're killing your planet. And not only are you killing your planet, but it affects us. When you split the atom, you not only affect your planet, you affect life that's all around you. You're not being good neighbors. It's like you got neighbors down the street who play with guns and they're kids. You know, you get people, you, you, you get attention. Uh, uh, after the, the, we exploded... We split the atom over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, two civilian cities, by the way. Mm. Um, UFO sightings went off the charts. People are saying, hey, who are these people down the street? <laughs> yes, we are. We are the people down the street. Yeah, what are they doing down there, man? <laughs> <laughs> you know? And so we can we can do this. It's just having to look at, you know, the, the pandemic, a drag, yes. Whether you agree with how things were handled, I don't, you know, or were we being lied to, whatever you believe, but it got us to slow down and we started saying, hey, what's really important? That's, you know? That's very true, very yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, who's essential? Is Elon Musk essential? Of course he is, he's a human being, but, Who's picking up your garbage? Who's 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 waiting on you? Who's cleaning up your streets? Who's serving your food? Now, now we, we, you know, now we have a whole different definition of what's essential. When was the last time you had a hug? All the stuff that you took we took for granted, huh? So true. A year, yeah, you so know. So true, Michael. Th yes, I want to thank you so much for this conversation and. Uh, 
I'll direct people to your website, michaeljscarter.com, michaeljscarter.com. Yeah, they uh, can go to Amazon and buy my books and, you know, maybe we can talk again one day, brother. I'd love to. I'd love to. Okay, brother. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words about an upcoming episode. C60 Evo delivers the miracle molecule, ESS60. It's pure carbon 60. Why not love your body and share C60 Evo with those you love? ESS60 from C60 Evo is a mega antioxidant for increased strength, endurance, flexibility, and a deeper sleep. It's great for pets too. I take a tablespoon every day and so does the mighty Aphrodite. We're both sleeping better than we have in years. And during the day, we have such tremendous energy and vitality. We're both pain-free. In a landmark peer-reviewed animal study in Paris, France, rats fed ESS60 lived twice their normal lifespan. Go to c60evo.com slash Richard hyphen or click on the C60Evo link in the episode notes. Use the code EVRS at checkout and save 10%. ESS60 from C60Evo. Order your miracle in a bottle today. Coming up next time, Michael Horn, the authorized American media representative of Billy Meyer. Meyer also specifically foretold the coming worldwide Islamic fundamentalist terrorism. He did foretell that the U.S. would have two wars with Iraq and that the second war would be led by a president who would be the son of a former president. It's getting pretty specific right there. He also mentioned that there would be, I think, six moon landing attempts by the U.S., but that the one that we know as Apollo 11, the first attempt, would be a hoax. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting.